Hello, my friend. Welcome to another episode of the She Chose Hope podcast. I'm Cassidy, and today with our guest, Jenny Brawlier, we're going to be talking about some things like modesty, biblical sexuality, and relationships. And let me just tell you, I am pumped. Jenny, thank you so much for being here. Before we dive into the different topics that we're going to talk about today, can you just briefly introduce yourself to us? Tell us who you are and a little bit about your story. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to be here and to have this conversation. I've been talking about these things on my Instagram now for almost two years, and it's so excited to do a podcast and just kind of briefly go over everything, and I'm so excited to be here. So um, my name is Jenny Brawlier. I'm 22 years old. I got married earlier this year in May, so I'm in, I still call myself a newlywed. I am... Yes, we are still in the honeymoon stage. I feel like we're going to be married 50 years. I'm going to be like, we just got married. (laughs) Um, I, a little bit about my background. I grew up um, with a very strict dress code. I grew up um, in a very conservative um, church and home. And about two years ago is when um, I realized that I really didn't know what I believed for myself. So I started studying things out for myself. And it kind of just led down a path of um, biblical sexuality and understanding what God's design for modesty really is and what he wants from us and how our hearts should look as we pursue that. That's awesome. And did I, did I learn right that you also struggle with chronic illness. I know a lot of our um, people who listen in also have chronic illness. And so what is that something that is also true for you? Yes. So um, at 15, I um, had a decompression, de- sorry, let me rephrase, decompression surgery for QRA malformation. And I also have fibromyalgia. I have POTS. I have a condition called HAE disease. And uh, so after I had brain surgery, I was diagnosed with like all these other chronic uh-huh. illnesses and it all kind of spiraled. So I actually have over five chronic illnesses that that I work through every single day. Yeah, I resonate with that a lot. <laughs> now, I think it's so interesting that you were talking about how you started studying these out for yourself. What does scripture say about mm-hmm. biblical sexuality and about modesty and really trying to figure out, okay, what is it that I believe in and why do I believe this? And I'm curious, did you ever think that you would be the girl on the, talking about biblical sexuality and modesty on the internet? Like, did you ever think that'd be you? <laughs> No, not at all. <laughs> when when I rededicated my life to the Lord about two years ago, these were the two main subjects that I feel like he really put on my heart yeah. to talk about and to speak about. And mostly because I think I struggled much with pride and it led me down a path of thinking, you know, I thought I was very modest, but in my heart, I was so prideful. Mm -hmm. And he just started revealing these things to me. And so, no, I never thought in a million years that I would be the girl on Instagram talking about sex. I, I told my husband too, I was like, does it bother you that I talk about sex on the internet so much? And he's like, no, not at all. I think it's awesome. He's (laughs) like, it's just like, you know, they're like, oh, Jake's wife, she's the one that's on Instagram posting about <laughs> sex all the time. I thought that was funny. Yeah, that is hilarious. And like when you started talking about these things like out so publicly, 
what was the reaction mm-hmm. that you tend to get from others when you talk about these? I, I feel like it's like 50, 50, like half of them feel like I'm just trying to cause a bunch of problems or I'm trying to stir the pot. And then the other half is like, Oh, thank you so much. Like they're so grateful and they have a heart of gratitude towards it because they've wanted to have these conversations for so long and nobody's having them. And so I think it's kind of half and half. Some of them are super grateful. Some of them not so much. Yeah. Well, and too, I think that it's, it can be a very hard thing for the church to talk about because I think a lot of times Mm -hmm. we want to say, okay, this is, this is what, this is right. And it just is. So let's not ask questions. You just have to. Right. But I really, something that I've come to learn is I genuinely believe God is not afraid of our questions and asking questions if we're seeking truth is only going to drive us to the foot of the cross further. And so, yes, like if, if we are talking about biblical sexuality and modesty, why do you think these can be such uncomfortable topics within the church if they are so important? Um, I think one of the biggest things is that sex has been a taboo subject for many generations. Mm, Yeah. So to shine a light on it can be really difficult because it's been generation after generation of like, well, grandma and grandpa didn't talk about that. So we don't talk about that. And it just kind of trickled down. And then now you're left with a lot of brokenness because nobody's talked about biblical sexuality. No one's had the hard conversations. And so you're left with a lot of porn addictions and it's one of the things is my sister that I noticed um my sister had a pornography addiction for years and every sermon that she ever heard about pornography was always towards boys yeah so if sex was ever talked about it or or in any kind of way addressed as far as as far as pornography goes it was always towards the boys and so I think um as the body of Christ, we have to bring awareness and be like, girls struggle too. Girls have a hard time too. It's not just, just the boys. Um, and so, and then on the other hand, I feel like for modesty, I think it is talked about, but not always with the correct context. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always women should cover up and it's left at that. That's all you really get for modesty. And modesty is so much more, so much more than a dress code. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, within the church, I I think it's a lot of times, like you were saying, so much emphasis is put on um, men and lust and so much emphasis is put on a guy's sex drive and that only men Mm -hmm. have sex drives or um, normal if a woman has a higher sex drive than a guy or aren't sexual at all (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and or not even not necessarily sexually active, but having those desires like women have those too. And I think that that is something that gets missed a lot. And so when we're talking about sex, like you said, a lot of it is directed towards guys. And I think that right. whenever we dive into that, that it can become really uncomfortable to, to start saying, okay, yeah, both of us have this. And that means both of us have mm-hmm. a need for modesty and both of us have a need for a clear view on biblical sexuality. And I think that as women who are pursuing Jesus and who want to honor Jesus with our bodies and with our hearts, Mm -hmm. I think that a normal question that most women pursuing Jesus will inevitably ask is, what is modesty? So for the women listening in today with that same question, how would you define modesty from a biblical standpoint? 
Yeah, such a good question. Um, modesty, simply put, is humbleness and submission to God. It is a deep-rooted respect for God. And that's why when someone gets a compliment and they're super humble about it, and we hear the phrase, oh, you're just being modest. Mm. It's a heart attitude. Yeah. Um, and, and people don't really usually connect those two of, of oh, they're being humble. Humbleness is modesty. Um, but that's what it is. The Greek word translated is humbleness. Um, and so if we're humbling ourselves before God, it should not just appear on the outside. It should be in every single area of our lives. And that's why I think that I personally, part of my story is that I really struggled with that because I looked great on the outside, but I really didn't look good on the inside. Yeah. I love how you equated um, modesty with humility, because I think at the heart of modesty is this humble attitude that says, I'm going to put the Lord first and I'm choosing Mm -hmm. to honor God. And that takes humility because we want to wear the cutest things or we want to work hard on our body or we want to show it off or we want to be proud of ourselves. But there's a, there's a humility there um, that Mm -hmm. there's a humility there that I think is so important. Um, But I love how you said it goes into not just, not just this area of clothing, but into every area of our lives. And I think we can get really hung up on just the clothing that it becomes more of a legalistic attitude as opposed to how am I honoring God with, with, with my clothing? How am I honoring God with my spirit and my heart and my attitude? Mm -hmm. towards? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good, a really good point because if we get like Jesus even talks about, like Jesus says, do not be anxious about your clothing. And I can't tell you how many times after I left my super, you know, the the way I was raised, how I would just look at myself and be like, so anxious about what I'm wearing. And the Lord says, Jesus says, don't be like their clothes on your back Mm -hmm. there. I feel like that he really brought an emphasis on that. And, and usually we take that verse and we just hone in on the anxiousness. But when I looked at that and he says, do not be anxious about clothing, I think that it goes so much deeper because if you take it to the Lord and it's a heart issue, um, everything else will follow. Yeah, You'll know if something that you're wearing, you shouldn't be wearing, or if you say something that you shouldn't say, um, and it just trickles down. Yeah. It's that check in our spirit as we spend time with yeah. something. I wish that I could remember who said it, but I was reading a book and I cannot remember the author. And if I do remember it, I will put it in the show notes, but they were saying that as we become believers, it's not that we immediately stop sinning or we immediately stop struggling. It's that as we draw closer to the Lord, we can't help but these things fall away as we get into deeper relationship with him. So I love that what you're saying. I, I think that if we're going to be super critical and anxious about what another believer or what ourselves are wearing, I think we're missing we're missing the mark and we're missing the point of true modesty and humility. Right. Absolutely. So you were kind of mentioning earlier that you had like you had this moment a while ago where you realized in your heart that okay my attitude around modesty isn't actually very modest and I was wondering did you always view modesty this way that you currently do or did you have this moment of heart change in the way that you view modesty um yeah growing up I only wore skirts and I didn't cut my hair and I thought I was very modest um, because of my outward appearance and I looked so good on the outside But in 2020, I had this very 
humbling experience with the Lord. And he really brought me to my knees, literally to my knees um, in my bedroom one day. And I just laid before him and he just started speaking to me. And I realized like a lot of the things that I was doing and how I was living was not modest and it was not honoring him. And when I started reading scripture for myself and studying his word, um, Jesus says in Matthew 23, you are like whitewashed tombs, mm. outwardly beautiful, but within you are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So he really just pulled all of these things out of my heart. And I started looking at them and examining them. And I was like, Lord, I, I need you. Mm. And I, and I need you to come in and make me clean. And that's exactly what he did. And he's still continuing to do. And through that process, I realized I'm probably not the only one. Yeah. Like I can't be the only one who who is like this, who has lived their life like this. Um, I mean, that was 20 years of my life. And so I that's when he put it in me, I believe, to to talk about it on Instagram and, and to have some hard conversations. Yeah. It really opened a lot of doors. Yeah, I'm sure. And I think as you were talking, the thing that came to my mind is that clothing can be something that even if in our pursuit of modesty, something clothing can be something that we see as a form of being condemned or feeling a sense of shame. Either we cover up because we feel shame or we don't wear it enough because we feel shame. And, but something that sticks out to me so clearly in scripture is that clothing was never meant to be something that condemns us or shames us. It was actually meant to be something that was created as a way of freedom from shame, where Adam and Eve felt shame in the Garden of Eden for their God provided clothing after the fall to cover shame. And so clothing is not meant to be used as this tool of condemnation, but rather to allow us freedom from shame and to move forward. And I think that a lot of times we, especially in the church, or like I remember at some points not being allowed to serve because my my skirt was um, a little too high above my knee, or even though it was below my fingertips, or just different things like that. And I think so often we can unintentionally see clothing as something that feels condemning or shameful when it really wasn't meant to be that at all. Right. That's so good. That's so good. Now, you said that you had this heart change in the way you view modesty. And I'm curious, and when, with your upbringing and the strictness of your background, I was wondering if, do you believe in some way that purity culture movement and legalism within the church impacted your view on modesty and sexuality? Yeah, so good. Um, so I, I guess a good way to start answering that question is with another question, asking yeah. another question, and that's what is legalism? For those that don't know, it's um, extra biblical rules that people apply to say you have to do this to be right with God. Mm. And when I started wearing pants in 2020, I lost a lot of my friends um, because they believed that I had backslidden or lost my salvation. Um, and so I grew up believing the same exact way. And I think that when I left and, and all these things were happening, happening to me, I realized that I had treated other people that had left the same exact way. And so a hundred percent, I believe that, that that had impacted like the way I view modesty and the way that I view people and the way that I love people yeah. and the spirit that I approach that with. As for purity culture, 
I was always taught don't have sex before marriage, like plain and simple, don't have sex before marriage. And I would see sermons preached about and and they would <laughs> I specifically remember this one sermon. I was at a camp meeting and the preacher had a rose and he handed it out to the crowd and told every single person to like hold the rose. And by the end, the rose was basically like dead. Yeah. It was gone. And it made it look like if you gave yourself away or you made a mistake, you're no good. Like you're mm-hmm. empty, you're dead. That's it. And I think that it's been a challenge to change my mindset on all of that, that it's, that's not how Jesus is. That's not who our God is. He's full of grace and healing. And if you do make a mistake or you do mess up or you have sex before marriage or you have a pornography addiction or you struggle with same-sex attraction, whatever it is, like there is a redeeming father who loves you so much and you're not just a broken rose. You know, like you're not no good. He's not just going to throw you out. He puts you back together. He makes you whole. And so purity culture, legalism, those two things are are probably one of the biggest reasons why I'm in therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I get that. I th- I remember, and I just want to affirm to people who are listening, we affirm the biblical model of, of modesty and of marriage and of sexuality and how it is good within the bounds of marriage, how God intends. But there are definitely, like you said, I remember being in like this purity culture atmosphere. And I remember people saying something very similar. And someone once told me the analogy of a doll in like this pristine box. And like after someone opens it, like the box gets ruined and you can put it back together and you can still play with the doll later, but the box is never going to go back Mm. the same. And I remember Mm. thinking as I grew up, man, that is, I can't see the heart of God in that because like you said, he is such a redeeming father. Yes, he has this, he has this, um, I don't want to say standard. He has these bounds of what marriage should look like, but the entire reason that he has that is because he knows that it's for our best and he wants his best for his children. And, and we can honor God in that way, but that doesn't mean to say that if you have found yourself outside of that, that somehow you are no longer pleasing. And I remember my grandmother, she talked to me and she asked me, Cassidy, if, if someone were to ask you on a scale of one to 10, how pleasing do you think you are to God? And I Mm. remember thinking like, okay, I can't, like, it can't possibly be a high number. Like, I mean, I've, I'm not like done anything horrible, but like, I'm a human being who sins. And so, and she said, actually, it's a 10 because when God sees him, he sees his son and he sees the blood right. covered over us, he is pleased with us. And, and I, yeah. that, that doesn't mean he's pleased with our sin, but we, as people who have been redeemed by God, like he has, we're covered by him. And so I think, that, yeah. I think that's a really important thing to, to look at is that purity culture and that legalism and and it's not to say that I think I genuinely think these these things have good intentions at heart. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but I do think that the overall message we end up taking away is something that is different than what I believe God wants us to hear from His heart. And it seems like modesty and sexuality can be so tied together within the church, especially whenever it comes to what we wear and how it creates sexual sexual responses or lust within men. 
Do you feel like this focused on women's modesty to keep men from lusting misses the heart of the gospel and God's desire for modesty? I absolutely love this question because I can literally talk to anybody about this for like hours. So I'll try to keep it short because this is such a good question. Um, absolutely. Um, if girls and women are just told, if you wear something immodest and a man lusts after you, it's your fault mm. and you're going to pay for that, their response isn't going to be out of honor or out of humbleness. Their response is going to be out of fear. And that is not how God wants us to respond. He, he does not want us to respond to him with fear um, or fear tactics. Um, you know, modesty isn't just for women, and that's not something that you hear a lot in the church. It's it's always, you know, cover up, do this, do that, and it's it's never pointed to the men. Just like the girls don't get to hear about pornography, the boys don't get to hear about modesty, yeah. and that's why I believe you have a lot of these cocky attitudes within the young gener younger generation of males because they're not taught about humbleness and honor and all of that is kind of just like skipped over um but never in scripture do you read that we are to be modest to keep men from lust mm -hmm. you never read that um we should be modest for god and i and i truly truly believe and some people would argue with me on that and they would you know quote like well don't be a stumbling block to your brethren um that's the biggest one i hear yeah. um but i truly believe that if first our focus is on god and to submit to god of course then it will follow to not want to cause a brother to fall mm. it's it's all about our heart intentions um so that's my that's my thought on that. yeah absolutely and i think just like anything i think it's easy to make modesty and biblical sexuality this idol of and this standard of goodness within the church um, that I think is can be incredibly misplaced because like we were talking about earlier, there is God is redeeming, God is restoring, and he is at work in different ways in each of our lives. And I, I something you just said just a minute ago about how women are not talked about to about pornography and men aren't talked to about um about modesty, something that stuck out to me. I don't know if you have ever listened to the Girls Night podcast. Um, but on that, I don't think I have on that podcast, there was a guest called, um, Kat Harris and in her book, uh -huh. um, it's called sexless in the city by Kat Harris. And inside of it, she talks about this very same concept. And she says, you know, at summer camp girls, we had on a one piece and then a wet, like a t-shirt and we looked like all mm -hmm. raggedy and then guys are walking around like Greek gods. And she said, <laughs> and so she was talking about this double standard of, and she's like, and also mm. I'm a girl over here. And I, and she was talking about how, like she also found them really attractive. And, mm -hmm. and it's, um, and so I just thought that was- Girls struggle with lust too, yeah. 100%. <laughs> and I thought that that was an interesting comparison. And it just stuck out to me so much because like the guys walking around like Greek gods. And I remember <laughs> having that same experience of like, oh, right. horrible. And all these guys look so good. <laughs> but, right. And I, and the, the other thing that I, that I want to add to, to that is like, person is responsibility. And so of course, I believe that if you're dressing in a seductive seductive way like yes your sin your responsibility like what is your heart attitude behind that yeah. um but i also don't think that guys are held responsible 
for for it and all of the pressure of the responsibility for lust is put onto the girls and then we are kind of like hanging out over here trying to like help put them together or shield their eyes when they have instagram they have the internet they watch movies they see sex scenes in movies and so jesus talks about this on the sermon on the mount you know and he says if your eye offends you pluck it out and i always like read that and i was like that is such like a harsh statement but i feel like jesus had the perfect opportunity right there to be like and women like protect them at all costs you know but like a man of God who, who is, who is just trying his best to humble himself before the Lord. He is going to, if you're, if you're dating him or if you're married to him or, or whatever it is, he's going to have those conversations with you and be like, Hey, like this, I struggle with this. And if you could help me in this way, that would be great. But I think just taking on the responsibility of trying to protect all the men in the world Mm -hmm. is is not biblical at all and you'll never read that in scripture absolutely something else that kat said in her book was she was talking about how we so often treat men like they are weak and we treat men Mm -hmm. like they are they cannot be strong and we don't expect them to hold to this standard she said but godly men are not weak and they can be held responsible and she said it's not that we don't do what we do out of love and honor but men should also be held to this they are strong, they can be strong, kind of raising them up to be strong and equipped in this way. And something else so good. that I think that as you were talking that I thought about was um, so often we're taught that if a guy looks at us, it's our fault. And I, it's not, mm-hmm. I remember having to relearn that it's not wrong to be attractive. And I think you can be attractive in healthy yeah. and godly ways. Um, But then also on the same flip side, I remember feeling like my relationships with guys in a friendship way was so strained Mm -hmm. because I was so worried about, oh, how am I making him feel in this way? Or how how, is how I'm dressing causing this? Like I had a hard time forming um, good friendships that were Christ-centered because I really was struggling too much with this aspect of, okay, relating with guys because I was so afraid I was going to make them stumble or so afraid that... I was going to say the wrong thing or wear the wrong thing, or just, I felt so awkward mm-hmm. around guys um, for a long time <laughs> in part because of that. But yeah, so that's so good. Okay, yeah. Whenever we look at modesty and sexuality outside of God's design, how do you think this can impact our romantic relationships, either in dating or in marriage? I think that it can do so much damage, um, not only for women, but for men too. Um, Modesty-wise, if you're always in fear that you're going to make a man lust after you, it can make you try to take on a sin, like I like I just said. And as far as sexuality, if we're given rules about the relationship with Christ and the deep why, mm-hmm. people will feel so lost and alone. They're given they're given rules, and you know something about rules is people like to break them. Yeah. Um, and that's why you have so many people addicted um, to pornography and they have premarital sex and they're living the um, homosexuality lifestyle. And mm-hmm. that's because they don't have a deep relationship with Jesus and they were never taught how to have a deep relationship with Jesus. And so they're, they're yeah. left with just feeling so alone and trying to fill voids. That's the biggest thing um, is just trying to fill voids. I personally 
before I met my husband, I was in a two year long relationship. Um, and we had premarital sex. Um, so I was living that lifestyle for like two years. <laughs> and I, in the middle of all of that, I felt anxious every single day. And I remember being like, well, I'm just breaking the rule. And I didn't have that deep relationship to Jesus. And so I was trying to fill the void of not having Jesus with premarital sex. Mm -hmm. And it left me feeling so broken and feeling so alone. But ultimately, after going through all that, that's what brought me to my knees and made me realize like, Lord, I need you and only you. Yeah, that's so good. And thank you so much for sharing that, because I think there are a lot of people who can resonate with that. And I think that I think whenever it's so hard to be open about those things because we're afraid we're going to get judged or we're afraid that we're going to get people are suddenly going to see us differently. But I think that it's so important to be able to say, okay, this is where I'm at and this is where I have been and to be able to have the hard conversations because at the end of the day, God's design for us to not be having sex before marriage isn't because he wants to control us. It's not because he doesn't want us to experience any kind of pleasure or intimacy with somebody. It has to do with this relationship component and how that ultimately impacts us. Because um, something that I learned a long time ago was that marriage or our relationship with God is this covenant relationship that's forged by the spilling of of the blood of Jesus. And he gave his right. body over for us to become our victory and our shelter. And then the Holy yes. Spirit. Yeah. And then the Holy Spirit indwells us literally living inside of us. And marriage relationships are also a covenant where you give your body over to another and become one. And it's, mm-hmm. I would also say it's a blood covenant similar to the cross. Yeah. Marriage is meant to be this imperfect mirror of this covenant relationship that we have with God. And this is why I I think marriage is so sacred. And I think men and women are both given different dominant characteristics of God. And when you bring those two different together, um, not only are they meant to complement each other, but I believe God intentionally designed us so that we should have to give ourselves in marriage, continually sacrificing ourselves to see the view of the other and dying to ourselves to serve in marriage. And I think that it's this concept that gets so lost when we understand the heart of God about sex and about relationships. And I think that can get lost in the, oh, you just don't have sex. Because Mm -hmm. whenever we understand the heart of God, it enables us to live in victory and to be able to choose the other way because we understand. And so- If you're not given the understanding and just a rule, it's a lot easier to break a rule. It's like, the little kid asking the mom, well, why can't I carry scissors? Yeah. Um, why can't I run around the house with scissors? Because I said so. That's why. You know, like, no, um, because it's going to hurt you if you fall. It's going to damage you. And I think it's the same way um, if we look at sex outside of marriage, if we look at pornography, if we look yeah. at living the homosexual lifestyle. No, it's because you weren't designed for this. This is not how I've created you. This is not to keep you you know, from having fun or, or this, this is to protect you. This is going to benefit you. This is to keep you safe in the way that I've designed you. I love that. And I just, I, as you were saying that, I just keep thinking of this imagery of God as a loving father, how he seeks to protect us and he wants the best for us. And sure, having sex, especially before marriage might feel good in that moment, but there's a constant breaking and there's a constant, um, 
in, within our soul that ends up hurting because we have experienced this outside of its intention. And I, I just, I love what you said, because it just reminds me of that loving father who's seeking to protect his children because he loves yeah. us. And it's because he loves us that he, he knows that that would be best for us to keep that inside of marriage. So good. So we've been talking about modesty and sexuality outside of God's design, but I'm curious, how can the way that we actually see modesty and sexuality impact how we see God? Yes, um, absolutely. So I think that when we understand God's design for sex inside of marriage and his design for sexuality and his design for modesty and humbleness and respect and honor, um, when we understand that, it puts God in his proper place in our hearts and in our minds. We, our perspective of him changes because we are, are holding him up to who he truly is and glorifying for him, glorifying him for who he tr- truly is and not just putting all these extra labels on him and yeah. being like, well, he is judgmental. He is harsh. He's mean. Um, we're supposed to be afraid of him. I have a family member who's always like, you have to have a little fear. You have to have a little fear. And I feel like anytime you read in scripture that the actual word that says to fear God means to respect him, means to honor him. God does not want us to be afraid of him. Um, He wants us to see him for who he is and his characteristics for who he is, because God is God no matter what. But when we understand biblical sexuality, when we understand biblical modesty, um, we're able to view him in his proper place because our perspective of who God is doesn't change God, Mm. um, but it changes our hearts. So when we view him in his proper place, it changes us, not him. Yeah. And I love that you said that because I remember having this moment of, like I hadn't gone so far as what we're talking about, but I had done things I was not proud of. And I remember having this moment of, I don't know how to talk about this. I'm so afraid to go to God because I am afraid that he's going to be mad at me or angry at me, or I'm afraid that, you know, so then I, how I spent time with him in scripture, how I prayed, it was different because I was, I was under this not even just conviction, but I felt a lot of shame and I felt a lot of guilt. And I don't think that God wants us to live in those spaces. He wants us to come. He tells us to come as we are. And and that means broken. That means messy. Mm -hmm. That means full of mistakes that we've made and baggage. He says to come as we are. And that includes with our sex lives, our sex past, our, what we wear, what we maybe don't wear. It it includes all of these things. And, and I think that, um, I think that that's so beautiful that he still invites us to come. And like, kind of like what you were saying all through scripture, it talks about how God is our shelter. He's our refuge. We are to run to him and you don't run to places you're afraid of. You run, right? exactly. You run to places that are going to provide safety and freedom. And that's what God is. Yes. I think that they're like, scripture does talk about how he is like, can be not judging, but how he does judge, but he judges our sin, but we are under the blood of Jesus. That sin, yeah. that judgment does not apply as believers. And so to be to live under this condemnation from our past and shame of our past, he allows us to move forward in victory no matter what our past looks like. Yeah. And what so along those lines, 
what would you say to the unmarried single girl that is struggling with sexuality or struggling with sexual desires or with having had already been sexually active in the past and is trying now to wait until marriage? What would you say to that girl um, that has had those experiences or is struggling in those ways or even like in pornography, those kinds of things? Yeah, such a good question. And it might sound like a cliche answer, but it's it's the best answer that I know to give. And that is fall in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, it's not just like, oh, fall in love with Jesus. No, but actually build a relationship with him. And um, when I was healing and when I was going through, you know, like I had premarital sex and then I rededicated my life to the Lord. And I was in this in this stage of, of healing and God was restoring me. Um, a passage of scripture that he, that he reminded me of is that he calls us his bride. And Mm -hmm. so before I even met my husband, sometimes I would come home and I would imagine Jesus sitting on the bed and being like, Hey, you haven't talked to me all day. Can we spend some time together? And you know, like that's, that's who he is. He is um, chasing after our hearts. And so how you have to get to know the heart of Jesus. You have to get to know who he is and his characteristics. And to do that, you have to, number one, read the Bible um, and read about who he is and what he does. And then number two, spend time with him, like really spend time with him. And for me, my cousin actually says to me, and I've been doing it ever since, I have a place in my mind and my place is a sunflower field and there's like a big (laughs) there. Yeah. And Jesus is always there. Like no matter what's going on, Jesus is there and I meet him there. And, and sometimes I just sit and I just cry and I just tell him about my day. And then sometimes I pause and I let him speak. And I think that's the biggest thing is like spending time with the Lord. He will reveal so many things to you. So when you are struggling with pornography, when you are struggling with, with these things and you see God's heart and you see his pursuit of you. I feel like it changes the way you view your sin as a whole. It changes, it changes all of that because he wants you. He wants your brokenness. You're not too dirty for him, Mm -hmm. but seeing who he is in his holiness takes a whole different stance on your premarital sex, on, on struggling with same sex attraction, whatever it is, he will um, come into that and you have to invite him in because he wants to be in there to be able to heal you and to be able to make you new. Yeah, I love that, that idea of we have to invite him in. He stands at the door and knocks, but we have to be willing to open the door. He calls, but we have to be willing to say, okay, God, I'm going to let you in. Yes, it's going to be messy. It could be painful at times. Um, This process isn't always, it's not the easiest thing, but it is worth it because it draws us into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And if you're out there and you have had sex, whether you had consensual sex or something happened to you, it's important to know that sex has not ruined you, nor has it damaged you. It has not made you unworthy. It is the blood of Jesus that makes you worthy. This doesn't mean we go around sinning and having all the sex we want, but it enables us to move from a place of shame to a place of freedom and forgiveness in Jesus, because we're not defined by our virginity status. We're defined by Jesus. And I think that's really important to. That's so good. That's so good because people often find their identity in, Mm -hmm. in, you know, how modest they dress or that they're a virgin or 
um, all the rules that they keep or et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, when we put those things above the Lord, I really truly believe they can become an idol. Anything can become an idol. So that's idolatry Mm -hmm. to him. And so putting God in his proper place and and finding your identity in him is is so important. So good. Well, and if we if we're able to put our identity into virgin into our virginity or into whether or not we've gone too far, um, I think that it also opens up the door for us to live in a place of shame and for us to live in a place of defeat. But Jesus says, "Take heart, I've overcome the world." And I think He knew exactly right. what what He was saying. Yes, He meant our trials, but He meant our sin too. And mm-hmm. I think that by allowing ourselves to be defined by Jesus without condition um, is so powerful because it has no, it has no limits. And I think we can put yeah. limits on Jesus and okay, Lord, I know that I'm like, I didn't, I know I have my identities in you. I know you love me, but like, I'm going to hold this over here because I've struggled too right. much area. And that's not how it works. Like he's covered mm-hmm. in all and he there's forgiveness for all and there's new life. Like you don't have to stay there. And I think that's, that's really powerful and that and that's so loving of him um as well and I'm just I'm so thankful that we serve such a good God and such a gracious God who redeems our stories and I just think that's beautiful and so kind of going along the same question um it's Valentine's Day coming up it's right around the corner next week um, if you guys are listening to this when it comes out. And I'm curious, with Valentine's Day coming around the corner, what encouragement would you give to the girl who is still single, still waiting on the person that God has for her? Yeah, um, I was I was never content in singleness. And I'm super honest about that. I, I feel like there was, like ever since I was probably 16, I was just so ready to get married. I was so ready to yeah. be a wife and to, to be a mom. And I, and I knew that God had, had called me to that. I knew that I was going to get married. Um, but it was like, I <laughs> spent so many days trying to fill voids, um, mm-hmm. of that loneliness with guys or having, having great conversations with guys when what I needed was a good conversation with Jesus. And I guess my, my biggest advice would be learn to spend time with yourself. And I think that that's part of the root for me was that I didn't like to be by myself. I really struggled with that. So, um, before I met my husband that Valentine's day, I still remember it very well. It was my last Valentine's day single. Um, and then I met my husband a few months later. Um, but I watched Deer Drawn and ate a bunch of ice cream and then I baked a bunch of cookies and I was all by myself, but I was so happy. I was like just having so much fun. And I was like, I can be upset that I don't have a husband right now, or I can be happy that I get to dance around my kitchen um in my PJs and eat a bunch of ice cream and you know, not have to worry about what he wants to do because marriage is incredible. And I'm so thankful for my husband. But like, when you get married, you have to let go of a lot of the things that you want Mm -hmm. um, to to help serve that other person. And that's not a bad thing. I definitely think that um, it's made me a lot less selfish, you know, but I think in that singleness and in that waiting, learning to enjoy being alone, learning to enjoy just, just, 
being by yourself and having fun. And that doesn't mean that, um, that doesn't mean that you are content with being single and that's okay. I think that one of the things that you'll hear a lot is like, when you are content, God will send you your husband. And then that's your consolation prize um, for being such a good girl. And I think that's baloney. I really, <laughs> I, I really do because literally this is so funny. The day I met my husband, I remember getting ready and thinking, I wonder if I'm going to meet my husband today. Like I was not content at all. Yeah. I was so ready. And um, I literally met him that day. Um, so it was like, the Lord is so funny like that. I think the Lord has a really good sense of humor, but it's okay to want more. Just be aware of um, not making marriage, dating, or men as a whole into an idol itself because marriage is a gift, but it is not the goal. Jesus is the goal. Jesus, Mm -hmm. heaven is the goal. And I think a lot of times we put marriage and dating and all of these cute relationship things on Instagram on this really high pedestal, but in reality, marriage is um, just a vessel and it's just a reflection of the gospel. And so it's, it's a journey too. It's not the yeah, end. I love that. And I think that it's also like something that we joke, like what you were saying, we can joke around that, oh, like uh, marriage is like the, the consolation prize for having waited well. And I remember I, for those of you who followed Tiffany Hogle on Instagram, I believe I'm saying her name, right. When she got married to her yes. husband, she said, God didn't give me my husband because I waited well. He gave him to me because it was time. It was his will. And I just, that's not so deeply within me that yes. God, it was because of his will, not because I did anything well. Funny thing about Tiffany, um, we became friends over Instagram and she lives in Tulsa too. And then I ran into her one day at a coffee shop and we started talking and now we are really good friends and we all went out and we hang out together all the time. And I think it's funny because she, her and her husband got married a month to the day after Jake and I did. And so we're like right there in the same season of life. And she is, a, if you, if you haven't checked her out on Instagram, she's absolutely amazing. You should definitely check her out because she waited a very long time um, for her husband and the Lord has blessed her so much. And she, she does a great job on there. And yeah, I love her. I, did, I love, I'm not like ever talked to her, but I love her stuff. And I just, that resonated so deeply with me that uh, it was because it was time. It was God's will. And I think it's really important to remember that like our relationship with Jesus is not a consolation prize for single people. It's not that it's not that marriage is any better than being single. It's that this relationship with Christ should come first, whether we're single or whether we're married. And it's not just some kind of like second place. Pri- Jesus is not a second place prize to marriage. Like, and I right. And I remember having to undo that thought pattern in my mind of, okay, like, okay, yes, my relationship with Jesus is center no matter what. And it seems so elementary and so like, oh yeah, I get that. But like to live that out and to say, okay, I'm going to live my singleness with, you know, intention and victory, not like, man, I really want a husband today. (laughs) But, um, which I don't, like you said, I, I don't think it's wrong or unnatural to want to be married. Um, but in that waiting, I love the advice that you gave. I think that's beautiful. And then our final question, 
um, that I ask all of the people that I have on here is through this journey, what is something that has stuck out to you the most or that you have learned about the character of God? Yeah, I think we've touched on this a little bit, but he isn't a mean guy in the sky that wants to slap me around, you know, every time I mess up, but he's a good, good father who's ready to hold me and forgive me and love me if I'll let him. Like he, he is there and ready to just embrace, to just embrace me. And through this journey of of modesty and understanding his design for sexuality, I've seen that, that he is not just a mean guy. He, he is a good father who, who loves us and who wants our hearts. And he, he wants us to see him for who he is. And I think that when we um, understand um, his design for these things, it really does help us understand his some of his characteristics that is so good i i love that and so i am just i'm so glad that we got to sit down and have this conversation because i think that there are questions and things that people especially women want to ask but are afraid to ask or don't know where to go and um so i'm really glad we were able to have this conversation and i just i it's my prayer and that this was able to infuse some freedom within you if you are struggling with this that it was able to provide clarity and that you were able to leave this conversation encouraged and jenny thank you so much for being a part of this uh, it was really good to get to chat with you and yes, yes. thank you so much for being here it's been so fun. I'm so glad we finally got to sit down and have a chat. And I really hope this encourages somebody. And um, if you do struggle with pride, like the Lord is is right there and pride is not too hard for him. And if you struggle with pornography or premarital sex or any of those things, like he is right there and he is good and he's ready. So yes. thank you so much for having me. It's been such a good conversation. All right, my friend, wasn't this conversation with Jenny so good? I don't know about you, but it feels like sometimes as women, we want to have these conversations, but we don't know how to have them or we don't know where to ask these questions. So I've put together something for you. Um, in the show notes, there is a link that you can click on to go to and you can ask any questions that you are looking for within this topic of modesty, biblical sexuality, or if you just have a completely other topic you'd like to talk about, you can put that there as well. But I wanted to have a space for you to ask these questions and we can also explore these questions in a in a future podcast episode in a future blog post but that is for you in the show notes also you can find all jenny's information there in the show notes as well as her and i put together a resource list for you of books talking about this idea of biblical sexuality so if you are somebody who wants to search scripture further on this and you want to do a little bit more research and reading there is a resource list for you also in the show notes that you can go to thank you so much for being a part of this week's she chose hope episode and i will see you right back here next week